0: Hey
1: Sean, how are you?
0: Good, Brian. How about yourself?
1: Well, thanks. So uh, we were just waxing a little bit uh, as we're wont to do, and um, we started decided we decided today we're going to talk a little bit about sales tricks and the stuff that uh, I guess for lack of a better way to say it, or let's be aggressive and say the scumbag tactics that just don't work. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) um, you you know, and I've had I've had tons of experiences here, um, but but i think there's an underlying premise behind all of that and that is um and and we've said this before people do people do business with folks they like know and trust so let's talk about i mean first things first all the places where folks don't get that
0: (laughs) so true and i feel like the epitome of this experience we're talking about is that like used car salesperson kind of persona where it's just gross and feels slimy and it's not the experience anyone wants to have in fact most people don't want to go through it as a salesperson either. And I think the one of the bigger misconceptions is people feel like they have to or that that's how sales is done, but it really doesn't have to be that way. In fact, a lot of data points to like people with the kind of personalities that are good at listening as opposed to just speaking or talking or vomiting stuff all over people do a lot better in sales than those that are trying to push some type of an agenda. So I think the approach most people take is wrong. And I've got plenty of examples of that. Have you experienced that as well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the um uh I think I think you talked about this in a short a couple couple weeks ago about um the LinkedIn like new friend requests that are like, hey, we do similar stuff. We should be friends. And then you're like, okay, well, that's I can get behind that. Let's let's take a look. And the moment you hit accept, right? You get the um like but but as a Fern friend salad. of mine, right? You know that I do all of these really really great things, and we should talk. And you're like, no, no, that's not going to work. And and you see so you see this kind of stuff all the time. You say you've got a recent example of this, yeah?
0: I do. Yes, LinkedIn is one of the worst offenders when it comes to this. It's the and it. I'll talk about what people do wrong, in my opinion. But my inbox or whatever is just full of connection requests of people selling stuff. And they always lead with, hey, you buy this. That's how I summarize it. And like, in what world does anyone want to be approached in that way? Have you ever had an experience where someone came to you and was like, hey, you need to buy this? And you were just immediately like, oh, my God, I'm so glad you just like came to me and offered me that. Here's my money. <laughs> Has that ever been a response you've had when anyone approaches you that way?
1: Yeah, absolutely not. It's like one of those things I was talking to somebody on a, a on one of the episodes. I forget where it what exactly it was, but um, you know those guys uh, when you're walking around in the city? Any major metro. Oh, yeah. You, you walk around and there's dudes handing out like the the little uh, flyer thing for the local mattress place. And yep. you're like, no, man, I was on my way to get coffee. But now that I've got this flyer in my hands, <laughs> I'm carrying a mattress home like this is the answer, <laughs> right? So on my true. back, like, I think okay. this is where, where a lot of folks get it wrong. And and we've talked about random acts of marketing in the past or random acts of salesmanship. And the, the, the short answer is, um, the, you have to do business or people choose to do business with the folks they like, know, and trust. And yeah. the moment you start doing stuff like this, you erode your trust factor
0: immediately. Well said, as soon as you fracture that trust, man, it's like, you know, you only get one chance at first impression that chance is gone now. And like they have set in their mind who you are and good luck overcoming that now. Like I think a lot of sales folks are acting like we have an unlimited number of prospects we could continuously spend. But like as you start selling increasingly more expensive services or bigger ticket products and services and stuff like that, and you know, that pool is somewhat smaller. Sure, there's plenty of people, but you shouldn't be going out of your way to (laughs) disturb people and annoy them. Like, how does that help? And then, as you get more niche as well too, the industry talks, man. So, like, if you're not behaving yourself or approaching this in the right way, you're going to get a bad reputation, and it doesn't just affect you. That's the other thing. That's like the heartbreaking part of this is like, you can come in, spam people for days, right? That's that's one thing. So you can ruin your reputation, but you can also soil the reputation of your entire organization as well too. Other people that work with you, the or your industry, totally. The industry ends up getting a bad name, right? Like for the longest time, who's wanted to like go buy a car? You know what I mean? It's like I led with that example in the beginning—the used sales, whatever the used car salesperson kind of approach. No one wants to buy a car. That literally created some of these new companies because that experience was just so bad. You get, you see it a lot, right? This is where um,
1: I think there's there's tons of opportunity as well because um, you you know you have um, you have a marketplace in general that is. Highly sales resistant, right? So you know you mentioned how this kind of tactic just ruins it for for everybody in a way. Um, you know now everyone's super nervous about letting their guard down or trying to start a new relationship because they're worried they're going to get sold to. That whole kind of conversation, though, um, you can get around it, right? You can get around that level of fear um, when you start with a different sort of pitch or a different offer and this is where this is where the podcast chef stuff comes in really and and that is you know people want to be guests on a podcast when you give somebody something of value out of the gate and this is this is the other like uh, another tactic they use in the car dealerships and i hate to go back there as like a well they do something cool and interesting but from a psychological perspective one of the very first things they do in the sales process at this car dealership is they try and give you something they try and give you a cup of coffee. They try and give you a biscuit or something where you are immediately like, oh, well, that was nice. And then you give them, you know, tens of thousands of dollars for a vehicle because that desire, that innate desire to, to reciprocate. Now, that's a kind of a, uh, an icky te- tactic or technique sometimes if it's done poorly. But you'll see in things like when you offer somebody a spot on a podcast they're super eager to help you out. You know, not so buy your stuff, but help you
0: out. I remember a story being told of, you know, a few years ago with Tesla as they were trying to innovate in the dealership space and how the representatives for their brand at the actual retail locations, you know, the so-called dealerships, how they were responding to people that came in versus how a typical car dealership would respond. And instead of, Immediately trying to push, you know, what it is that they wanted to sell in that given moment to whoever walked in the doors. The response was along the lines of, you know, what brings you in today? You know, how can I help? Uh, Are you just browsing or whatever? You know, just like, I'm here to help. If you need my help, great. If you don't, you know, have fun, like enjoy the cars, experience it, whatever. Just like immediately lowers the pressure for everyone involved (laughs) because no one ever, people again, like that. That that example has been beat to death for sure, but it's still got a long way to go, and it's still a mess. Uh, I've been involved with that, you know, recent in recent years as well too. It hasn't gotten any better. Uh, so kudos to companies that are trying to improve there. But I think the key takeaway is essentially what you're saying in that, as opposed to leading with the well, like that like that I called the uh, hey you buy this like go right into the sale or just pitch someone randomly like which again crazy low success odds there. I don't, I don't know why anyone invests in that. It never made any sense to me. Offer them something of value, right? The hook that we found that works ridiculously well is to be guest on your podcast. And that does double effort as well, too, because it's a great way to ultimately invest in creating great organic marketing content. It's very efficient and all that kind of stuff as well, too, especially if you have a partner like Podcast Chef or someone to help you with all the other pieces of managing your show. But doesn't have to be podcasting, but it should be something other than, hey, you buy this, right? There's a ton of other things you can offer people. You know, you want to guest blog, you want to be involved in a research project, like do you want to be, you know, on this video or whatever, just like something else. Like I would really encourage folks to introduce one extra step. The only stuff I ever really look at or respond to is someone offering something about me or someone who isn't talking only about themselves, because if you're just talking about yourself when you're reaching out to somebody, what's in it for the other person? Yeah, you have to move past like the straight pitch and you have
1: to move past the features and benefits conversation and into the relationship-based selling conversation. And the relationship-based selling says, hey, listen, I want to learn more about you. I would love to tell you more about me. And we can see how we can leverage each other's resources to better enable both of us to be successful. It's very, very difficult, though, to um, to do that without sort of having something to give up first, Right. And so that, that platform access to a podcast or to a, you know a YouTube channel or to the blog readers or things like that, those are all great ways to get past that whole like, hey, I don't know exactly what to offer you, because folks will turn those those guest spots or those that access into kind of mentally whatever they want. It's a very flexible. Uh, thing to interpret for, as a as a participant, right? Because you can control
0: how you appear on a podcast, which is really interesting. And I want to play devil's advocate here a little bit, because I'm sure some folks that may be listening in, especially those sales folks, which again, I respect the hustle. But <laughs> if I'm thinking from their perspective about the like, don't go directly into the pitch, they might be thinking that that's more efficient, right? Because a lot of sales content out there, and I understand why it talks about this, speaks from the perspective of like, I don't want to waste my time with someone if they're not ready to buy or they don't want to buy or whatever, I get it. I feel like you're missing a bigger opportunity, but from their perspective and if they're thinking along those lines, I want to ask you that question and then I want to, I'd want i love to give my uh, response as well too. For the people thinking along those lines where they want to skip those steps, go right to the sale to see whether or not there's any opportunity there, I want to get your take on if you agree with that, do you feel like that's a flawed approach? Anyway, uh, some context on that I think would be cool for, for people to hear from us.
1: Yeah, I mean, when you when you look at um, uh, your own experience, right? I mean, the easiest check here, to be honest, is just look into the stuff you you really sort of lean into, right? Do you lean into that conversation when somebody comes at you with something that? Um, that they're they're interested in profiting by, and you feel like a piece of meat right do you do you go for that so true <laughs> and, and the answer is no i think I think this is um, what's the uh uh the phrase is everybody likes to buy, but nobody likes to be sold to right exactly so when I go at any of these conversations personally, it's very much like uh um I want to pull I want to be in charge I want to feel like the, the problem that I'm surfacing with you um, is something that you've got experience learning how to solve, or you've solved it for other people, or things like that, um, and I want my questions answered first. And that means you have to move, as a sales professional, you have to move past the features and benefits conversation, right? They tell you in Marketing 101, it's all features and benefits, and frankly, features and benefits are the last thing that's important. If you're talking about features and benefits you're talking about the wrong sort of part of the horse. Um what you really need to talk about and this is the, the the old story of um Ford. Ford stopped started really really taking off when they stopped selling cars and started selling freedom. Right? Same thing's true. But I'm sure you've got you've got other examples of this because in the product space I think, you know, which is where your background is, there's a lot of examples of this when you start selling the right thing it changes completely
0: yeah that's a good that's a really good perspective as well too Is like understanding what you're really selling because then you're leading with something more interesting than just buy this thing or this widget or whatever which i don't think that largely ever works my take or response to my own kind of devil's advocate question would be and i know that not everyone's abusing this but there's still way too many are i don't think there's a place for it i really don't think it has any value for anyone and here's why right if you're There's a difference between the type of product or service you might be selling. I'll I'll group them into two categories, high touch and low touch, as in it may be more complicated, requiring extra touch points and steps and whatnot in order to build the momentum to get everything going, or it may not. I'll give you an example, like from the tech world, right? Product sales. You've got a Salesforce, which is a software that can pretty much do anything. As such, it gets really complicated for figuring out who you need to help with what, right? The company's huge million combinations of like what they can do and it's complicated for folks to not just understand how you know what it does and how it can help them but how to use it right so there's a lot involved there so that's one category the other one is low touch you've got products like calendly for example right calendly's got a pretty narrowly focused problem that they solve and people know when they need it right if you need help uh with like asynchronous you don't want to go through the like calendar rodeo thing over email back and forth a bunch of times, Calendar will help you solve that. Just give someone a link and they can check your schedule and pick a time when they have mutual availability. So if you, if you think about it in terms of those two categories, right? One of those needs a lot more help than the other. And that's the high touch one. The low touch one, not so much really, right? Like usually we know when we need something like that. We might Google, do some research, whatever, but we land on the website and a well-written website for a product like that That is the sales process, in my opinion. Like, that's explaining to me what it is, what it does. And as such, I don't need someone to lead with it. It probably doesn't even make sense because the product is is relatively low cost. So, numbers might not even be there to pay people to push this on folks, but you more than likely don't need that. Right. So, I think it's basically neutralized in that world. But in the high touch piece, because longer sales cycles and, you know, we need to build and it's complicated extra steps and whatnot. You really need to start by building a relationship first. And if you lead with the high pressure, hey, you buy this kind of thing, you just scare people off. So, as such, if you know that's my world. And in my world, I don't really see where these tactics fit in. So if you're doing them, I'd encourage you to stop because I don't think they apply to either.
1: So I, I think you're right. I want to go back to to something you said, and I think it's really um uh, kind of fundamental to the relationship selling kind of idea um, and that is even on the low the, the low touch product sales or even on the stuff that's um, maybe a little bit uh, kind of we'll say easier because I don't know if there's such a thing but easier sales process um, one of the things that's really important and and we run into this a lot is the the customers that buy are the ones that feel like you understand, Their struggle, right? Definitely, and that happens even in the low tech stuff, even in the low touch sales, even in the product led growth stuff. The the every bit of marketing about that is, Calendly, for example, the one you use, like they know the pain. They know what the pain is. Totally, The, the rodeo is the pain, and and the better you can communicate that pain to the person you're talking to that has a problem. The more they feel like you understand what's going on in their world. And that understanding, in and of itself, is worth 90% of the sale. Yep. Once they they know you know me, your, yep. your job as a salesperson is mostly done. Well, there's still Always. mechanics, there's still quibbling stuff to do, but um, I think that that you know me part of the conversation also mm. leans back to how we're doing a lot of what we're doing right now here at Podcast Chef or at a lot of the kind of um, the the lead gen slash marketing companies out there is they are uh, they understand that 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 you know me truth starts with things like one way media sometimes it starts with you know mm-hmm. folks consuming podcasts or consuming YouTube shorts or consuming this type of content you can start
0: that relationship building process right yep. away and that that's a great example too right because there's nuance to this some folks I feel like are trying to like shotgun spray find out who will buy this thing because they don't know that right they don't understand calendar rodeo problem level detail for their product or service and i still think that that's the wrong way to go about it really you should be doing more research than you should be doing sales but i at least i can i can understand what it is you might be trying to do but it's still not going to work i want to however transition that to another thing that from a sales tricks perspective, I feel like it doesn't work and only makes the, prob- the problem worse. And that's the length of the messages people are sending, right? There's some of them are sending at least hundreds, some thousands <laughs> of text and content in these messages, where it's paragraph after paragraph after paragraph uh, in one message. And it's like, in what world do you live in these days? Like in a world where digital shorts are the thing that is blowing up. Like, what are you missing about the key word in that phrase, short, (laughs) where you think that like a longer message is going to get me a higher response rate? It's really not necessary. Like we live in a bite-sized world, you know, attention spans are measured in nanoseconds. Everybody's busy all the time, especially after the pandemic. So for the love of everything, condense it, man, like shorten it up, keep it short and sweet, saves you time, saves them time, get right to the point, right? Like if you are going to lead with something other than you know a powerful hook, like be a guest on my podcast, at least keep it short. And maybe make it a question. Just don't talk about yourself, right? What you talked about is the only way I would consider doing it. And that's, do you have this problem? That's all I would need to ask in my message. and so like, do you have the calendar rodeo problem? Question, Mark. That's it. <laughs> There's nothing else you really need to say. Anything else beyond that is just going to be about you and is only going to frustrate or lower your chances of getting a possible response.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and so to play devil's advocate there, and I think you're right. I mean, in general, we need to go shorter in general for, for everybody's kind of use nowadays, it's just hard to compete. Um, But, but I understand the, the thinking, the design thinking behind like long form copy. Right. Um, And it speaks directly to what I just said moments ago, which is, that emotional resonance, that like, I get you, I understand your problem, or I was you, and this is the story of how I used to be. Right. This, that kind of stuff plays really well in that sort of one directional. But I, what I think happens is um, in those long form sales copies, for example, you, you really have a hard time building lifetime value with a client there. You may get a single transaction with that resonance. Mm-hmm. Um, because more often than not, that a lot of that stuff's like a magic pill kind of thing. So people are like, yeah. "Oh yeah, buy this magic pill." Uh, you've seen it. I'm, I'm sure if you're like me, you're falling for it. Like, "Oh, you this story? That's exactly, dude. That guy knows what I was thinking exactly. He was like there <laughs> with my in my head." You buy the thing, it's it's shelfware, and ten minutes later, you're looking yep. at the next long form sales copy. So I I get it. Yep. Um, it's it's definitely not a great technique, um, but I think I understand the why of it. Is there a way to do the same thing in a short environment to get that resonance out in uh, that that kind of emotional understanding about, hey, uh, you know I, I, I've been there.'ve I've seen your thing. i've I've been in that place and and communicate that in sixty seconds or less?
0: Good question. Um, I'll come back to it, but I want to speak to your point about the value of long form content and copy. And for sure, I would just say there's a time and a place. And it's definitely not the first touch point, as in if you're like reaching out with long form copy, I never read it. It could be, here's the details of all the money I'm going to wire you for free. I'm still not going to read it because it's just too much. It doesn't, it takes me too much time. And I'm as such, there could be nothing but value in there, but I won't read it in that format, right? If I don't know you, don't have a relationship with you, I'm just going to skip it. So that's why I encourage <laughs> folks to keep that first touch point as short and sweet as they can. And that's why, like when we're doing what we do for our clients at Podcast Chef, we lead, you know, we open conversations with folks in their target market for them with, do you want to be a guest in our podcast? Like we see you're a leader in X, Y, and Z. Do you want to be a guest in our podcast? Like we'd love to talk to you about that on the show. And that's why we get a ridiculously high response rate to that, right? Because number one, it's about them. Number two, it's offering them something of value. And number three, it's very, very short, (laughs) right? So all three of those are very different than almost all of the inbound stuff I get from all sources, email, LinkedIn, all these platforms, 99% of which I just purely ignore. So yes, there definitely is a time and place for long form content. And I would say at least, you know, wait till step two, maybe step three, like wait till you start getting questions, right? Because you don't really know what to write about until you know what they're thinking. You don't even know if what you're providing is relevant, right? If I'm trying to sell used cars to somebody who lives in the city and doesn't need a car, <laughs> all of that effort is purely wasted. Right. Even if they're like, this is a really cool idea, or they respond positively to your message or whatever, and they're like, but I don't need a car. And it's like, all that time is gone, right? So you don't really know. A lot of this stuff feels very random, like we talked about, like random acts marketing and whatnot, so keep it short and sweet offer value, right? And then um, engage from there, right? But as appropriate, right? So they have questions, objections come up, right? Or if you're writing something for a landing page, but like Calendly does, like you know your buyer through and through and their objections and whatnot, makes for a great like FAQ section, you can help them make progress throughout the journey of, do I really need this? You know, What is this going to help me do? What's the ROI of this going to be? And that's where I think the long-form copy really shines. I agree. I agree. Well, nice talking to you again. Thanks for your time. Of course, man. Anytime.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level.